Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for today's episode of the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast. I'm your host, Heidi E. Wilcox, bringing you conversations with authors, thought leaders, and people just like you who are looking to connect where your passion meets the world's deep needs. Today on the podcast, I got to talk to Reverend Jessica Legrone, Asbury Seminary alum and Dean of Chapel at Asbury Seminary. Jessica enjoys mentoring and multiplying as she serves as pastor to a vibrant seminary community. She's an acclaimed pastor, teacher, speaker, and writer with an engaging communication style that endears her to groups throughout the United States. As a native of Texas, Jessica has previously pastored in churches in the Houston area, including nine years at the Woodlands United Methodist Church. She's written several books and studies, including Namesake, When God Rewrites Your Story, Under Wraps, and Broken and Blessed, How God Used One Imperfect Family to Change the World, also Set Apart, Holy Habits of Prophets and Kings, and The Miracles of Jesus. She blogs at jessicalegrown.com, and she and her husband Jim have two young children, Drew and Kate, and a dog named Bluebell, who is the color of homemade vanilla. Jessica's most recent book, which we talk about on today's podcast episode, is Out of Chaos, How God Makes New Things Out of the Broken Pieces of Our Lives. It explores the beauty that God can bring out of the chaotic state of our lives and worlds. In this conversation, we talk about Jessica's new book and the relationship between calling, creativity, and chaos. Let's listen. Jessica, thank you so much for coming back to be on the Thrive with Asbury Seminary Mm -hmm. podcast. I'm so happy to get to talk to you today. Thanks, Heidi. It's wonderful to be back. Yeah. So we want to talk about your new book, of course, Out of Chaos, which I read and absolutely loved. I read it in Mm -hmm. a weekend. So, And I'm a slow reader, so for me to finish Mm -hmm. a book in a weekend really speaks to the author of the book. Thank you. That that means a lot. Those of us who write always kind of wonder if it has a life of its own out in the world. So it's good to hear from someone who enjoyed it. Yeah. Is it fun to see your book out in the wild? It is. It's very surreal to see, you know, your your name on a cover of something. But it's also kind of like, well, this is what I did all that work for. So it's also just very satisfying. Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. very powerful book. We'll link to it in the show notes in case folks want to pick up a copy yeah. of their own, which I highly recommend. So <laughs> before we jump into your book, um, I know we talked, I think, in the beginning of like the podcast life about your calling and stuff. But if you just that's been a long time. So yeah. if you could just tell us like how you came to Asbury and experienced your call to ministry. Sure. So um, I did not grow up knowing that I was called to be a pastor, which is I would still define what I do here as Asbury as a pastor. I'm just pastoring. I call it the best congregation ever because uh, <laughs> I get to pastor, uh, you know, emerging leaders for the church, which they're just fantastic. But um, I grew up in the church, but also kind of feeling like I was called into medicine. I love, actually still love science, love understanding how our bodies work. Um, And then I was about halfway through college getting a pre-med biology degree when God just knocked me over with, I can count about 10 different messages that all pointed to the same thing, but they came from 10 different directions, many of them from people or, um, you know, even from my own gifts being recognized, but also just from scripture, things that were not connected to one another that I really felt like the Lord was trying to send me a message. And by the time towards the end of that year, I said out loud, I think I'm called to ministry. 
everyone in my circle said to me, well, you're the last one to know. We've all we've all figured that out by now. <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah, and then I just explored seminaries and really didn't know much about seminary life, but there was an Asbury alum that I met and introduced me to what Asbury was and just said to me, promise me you won't make a decision about a seminary until you've set foot on Asbury's campus. And I thought, hey, a trip to Kentucky sounds fun. So I came for a visit and literally within five steps into the campus, I thought, this is it. This is the place for me. Loved it, had an incredible experience as a student. And I just really thought, Lord, I would love to help anyone else have this seminary experience. I would do anything for Asbury. It was kind of my parting word as I drove away. <laughs> drove away, you know, went back to Texas, where I'm from, pastored for 13 years, doing what I could for Asbury at the time, which was helping recruit students and send, you know, financial help to them. And um, at the end of 13 years pastoring, where I just really thought I would pastor in the local church forever and retire from that, I love the local church, Asbury called and said, there's a role for dean of chapel, and we'd like you to apply. And that was eight years ago. So we have been back here for eight years, and it has been incredible. Just it, This is an incredible place to minister and live and raise a family, and that's all been wonderful for us. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Like I always find it amazing when people are students here and then come back to work in whatever capacity. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's faculty, sometimes it's on staff. Mm-hmm. In your case, Dean of Chapel. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think that says a lot about the seminary. I call it kind of a boomerang effect. Like, yes. you can leave here, <laughs> but <laughs> something sort of draws you back. That's our experience anyway. Yeah, for sure. So jumping into your book, Out of Chaos, why was now the right time mm-hmm. to write this book? Um because we've just lived through a lot of chaos, mm-hmm. and it seems like we're still, it hasn't left, you know? Right. No, no, there is no shortage of chaos right now, no matter what. I will say, you know, I, I tell people I didn't want to write a book on chaos. I did not set out thinking, gosh, that would be really fun to immerse myself in this topic. It was more that I felt I had to write a book on chaos. I felt compelled. Called is really a word, but compelled. And it started, you know, maybe 2017, 18 is when I was really thinking daily about this topic just kept popping up. I was writing little bits of it in my in my writing time. I was finding scripture about it. Um, I began kind of book proposal process in 18, 19, mm-hmm. uh, talking with the folks at Zondervan and Seedbed as they emerged in their partnership about it. Um, but I will tell you this, the contract for this book came through in March of 2020. No way. I mean, that, like, everyone knows <laughs> what March of 2020 means. We all remember those dates when everything in the world just shut down at once. Mm-hmm. And that is when, in my inbox, the final contract came through. And I thought, well, yeah, of course we, of course you want a book on chaos right now. We all need this book because we mm-hmm. were navigating The beginnings of the pandemic felt so unknown. We had no idea. We knew the world was changing, but we did not know what the outcome would be, how long it would last. We knew the world would be different from now on, but we didn't know how. Mm -hmm. Um, So really, the the bones of the the scaffolding of the book was in place, but a lot of it was put together during those first couple of years, really making a lot of the impressions of a world in chaos came to be in this book during mm-hmm. 2020. Mm-hmm. So you said like the the musings for the book, if mm-hmm. you will, mm-hmm. started a couple years before. Can I ask what kind of prompted those musings? Oh, yeah, that's great. So, 
you know, one thing, the, the book is really centered in Genesis 1 mm-hmm. in a, a world. It's out of chaos because God creates the world out of chaos, mm-hmm. and He continues to do so. That really started for me. Those Any listeners that are familiar with Asbury's faculty, that started for me long ago. That love started sitting in a class with Dr. Joe Donjel talking about Genesis and just putting those pieces together. That was such... That, you know, an inspiration in a single class or a single book can last for decades. And mm-hmm. um, so that was a piece of it, thinking about that early creation story, and then just looking at the world, Heidi, and thinking, why is it in such a mess? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if God made this good place, how did we get here, and how do we get out of it? What is the Lord doing in all of this chaos? So it just seemed to me that there was chaos everywhere, that it's um, you know, there's there's tiny chaos in all of our everyday lives. We all like plan our week, and then our plans don't go the way we thought. Right. Uh, or we, you know, have relationships, and so people make things messy in our lives. And there's chaos. Mm-hmm. There's tiny things in all of our lives. I talk about, you know, there's the breakdown of our appliances and the breakdown of our bodies. Right. All right. all of us experience different things falling apart. But then there are these images that are so global and so. Um, just moving to us of things like uh, the war in Ukraine, a global pandemic, a school shooting. These are things that stop us in our tracks because we think, Lord, you made a good world. How did we get here? So really that question over and over again made me think about why is the world in the chaos that it's in? Yeah. So as you were talking about the Genesis 1 creation story, Mm -hmm. it reminded me of what you talked about, this word that you'll have to say. It was the Greek word. It's right. It's from the from Genesis. So it's the Hebrew phrase tohu oh. tohu vavohu. Okay. And Tell me about that because I thought it was tohu fascinating. Tohu vavohu is, um, you know, when you read in Genesis 1-2 uh, that the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Formless and void is tohu vavohu. And so what we're saying there is, it's really almost a contradiction in terms because it's a a wilderness, like a desert, it's empty, but then it's also a watery waste, right? It's a a wasteland that is chaotic water. So what, you know, how how can that be possible? But it's this image of um, really before the earth existed, before the the universe existed, God making something out of nothing. And we believe that God's the only one who creates something out of nothing, but nothingness is chaos, right? And I, you know, I hate to connect everything back to the pandemic, but it's so the world we've been living out of we, I tend to think of chaos sometimes as like a deluge. Chaos is too much, right? It's when I have too much to do, too many problems, too many issues in the global news, things like that. But pandemic, early pandemic for us was the chaos of absence. It's, sure. it's when things stopped, all of the things that set schedules and boundaries and relationships and interactions in our lives were taken away for a time. And that reminds me a lot of tohu vavohu, right? Because it's it's a chaotic absence. It's thinking, you know, what what is right in God's good creation is when He makes spaces, these environments, and then He fills them with just incredible inhabitants of of creatures and humans. But before all of that was nothing. And um, really starting from chaos, you think about what God does there and just the beauty and order that He brings gives you hope that He can do it again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. What did you learn? 
What did you learn about God during the mm-hmm. time that you were writing the book that you might not have known before or yeah. kind of experienced in a new way? I mean, especially because you were writing in the midst of chaos. Right. Unprecedented um, chaos. I mean, unprecedented. We all-, <laughs> we all love that word now, right? Like, greetings to you in these unprecedented times. Um, what did I learn about God? That's such a good question. I, I am continually surprised by chaos, whether I should be or not. When a news story comes up that is devastating, I'm shocked by it. Maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe I should expect the world to be in chaos. When I, you know, the, we talked about the little, just sort of almost like the drips of chaos, not the deluge, but the drips. When I plan out how a day is going to go and then it gets messed up along the way, I am surprised by that chaos. I did not anticipate it. And so sometimes to me it feels like chaos is an unknown that I cannot anticipate, that I cannot fix because it, it gets the best of me sometimes. I think what I've observed in reading Scripture and then in, in my experience and I think in the church's lived experience is that God is not surprised by chaos that God is not um, bested by it, if you want to use that kind of word. He, he is not overwhelmed. Um, there is no sense in that creation story that God sees uh, the tohu vavohu mm-hmm. as his equal or his enemy or, you know, he almost just takes it in stride as an ingredient. Here we are making something out of nothing. Just like you or I would take ingredients out of our refrigerator to make something, mm-hmm. right? Right. And that model, it seems to be how God takes chaos in stride from then on. You know, even even uh, Joseph, that early character at the end of Genesis, saying to his brothers, you meant this for evil, but God used it for good. Mm-hmm. So again and again, that's what we see. Like God can take anything and make beauty out yeah. of out of chaos, right? That's where the title came from. Yeah, yeah. You talked about that uh, many times. The relationship between beauty and chaos, mm-hmm. beauty and creativity, especially in the story of the oyster and the pearl, which mm-hmm. I think we all like know how that works. But when you told it, I was just like, oh wow! Like the irritant just stays there. I hadn't mm-hmm. really thought about the irritant staying mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. and then the oyster coating it. Right. I think because I'm a fast-paced person, I was just like, oh, yeah, the little piece of sand comes in, and then, like, boom, we have right. pearl. Right. But it was that over over time. Mm-hmm. So why is it that – because, like, the oyster, if the oyster thinks. I don't think the oyster actually mm. thinks. But why why is it that we have to have a difficult thing, mm. or it seems like we have to have a difficult thing, or – chaos to to make something yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Why do we why do we have to do that? That is probably <laughs> that is probably the best question I've ever been asked, Heidi. You were a great interview. That is such a good question because if you think about it, if you think about it like I, when I think about if I could like make a little road map of my spiritual journey mm-hmm. and just say, here's when I've been closest to God. Here's when I've trusted God the most. Here's when I've really grown in my walk with the Lord. If I could map that out, I would tell you that most of those have been because of very hard things in life. Same. That I lear- le- have learned to lean into Jesus because I was desperate, because mm-hmm. I needed Him, and I couldn't do it myself, right? Mm-hmm. And in the times when things were pretty good and I became complacent, 
I really wasn't looking to God as much as I could have been or should have been. I, my, my heart wasn't as desperate when the times weren't desperate. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think there is an opportunity as a spiritual discipline for us to learn that dependence even when we don't feel chaotic in our life. Mm-hmm. The Lord certainly doesn't want us to live in chaos <laughs> continually. But you know, just that question, why is it that beauty comes from chaos? Maybe that's our choice, right? Maybe we're the ones saying, God, now we really notice you. Our eyes are open. We're looking for you. Um, but it also, it just may be the way that the, the world works, that God is continually transforming chaos into beauty. Mm-hmm. And so that's when it's it's almost like a frame around the beauty in our lives, looking for the chaos. We can see the, the picture, the mm-hmm. masterpiece in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like what you said about it being maybe being our choice mm-hmm. because I've experienced what you said too, and I've been careful what I thought because I don't want to live in constant chaos, no. but wanted that like connection to God right. that I've had when the chaos right. has happened. And then at times been angry yes. when I saw some beauty yeah. come out of the chaos, you right. know? Right. But it, but being careful to like, I don't want to live in chaos all the time, but wanting Correct. that connection. Yeah. No, that we came don't. With the chaos all there, the time. You know, there's all kinds of diagnoses for people who seek to live in <laughs> chaos, right? I mean, that that is a thing we do. Or some of us just, you know, have a habit of sort of leaning into our pity party sometimes because right. things are hard, and so we focus on what's hard. That is certainly something that happens to us. But really, you know, we learn about. Um, gratitude as a discipline, how that mm-hmm. makes us focus mm-hmm. on different things, contentment as a discipline. You know, Dr. Christine Pohl teaches on contentment a lot, it's such a beautiful kind of spiritual discipline to lean into. And really looking for the beauty. Chaos is not in short supply, right? You know, no. it's like, it, is, it is out there, it is in here. And so if we are going to live in a world where chaos is, is present with us, then we have to determine our response. So I think what you're saying is like, maybe maybe we build pearls, right? Yeah. Maybe that's our calling is there are definitely irritants in life. And those little oysters, you know, who knows what kind of brain they, they have. I could definitely use some research about that. But um, <laughs> just that concept of like, if they don't coat that little piece of sand or that um, sometimes it's an irritant or even a, an illness of some kind, a little piece of bacteria that gets left that could damage them, then they're going to be damaged. They're going mm-hmm. to be hurt. So they choose to make it beautiful, right? Coat right. it with this, you know, this substance that also coats the inside of their shells. And how is that something we can learn from? That's amazing. I think you've just, I mean, I read it in your book, but in just talking about the oyster with you and like choosing, mm-hmm. because it's a relationship with God, right? So it's not just me choosing to coat. Mm-hmm. I want to be careful about that. But mm-hmm. like, choosing to try to make pearls out of the, mm-hmm. the irritants and then maybe having a better relationship with God mm-hmm. all the time yeah. through that. Mm-hmm. Amazing, Jessica. Oh, thank you. So you mentioned calling a little bit, and that's something mm-hmm. that I wanted to talk about with you. What is the relationship that you see between chaos and creativity in our calling? Mm-hmm. That. That is something I love to talk about. I I love to think and learn about creativity, and because um, there, that's also not in short supply, right? You know, we um, I love living in community with other people and being able to see how God made each of us with our own kind of creativity, 
and how we're each using this gift that God gave us to make something. Mm -hmm. And then when we're in community, we're making something together. Um, that's, that's some of my favorite stuff. So, you know, chaos and creativity are so linked, uh, not just in Genesis 1, but um, well, I'll just tell you this. I have a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old at home. <laughs> they are so into um, art supplies and painting. And no, no, not just watercolor painting anymore, acrylic painting. The thing that when it gets on your furniture, it's there forever. <laughs> so, you know, I have, a, I have a lot of like a close eye on the chaos in my house because they want to just, they want to paint everything. And um, that, we limit it, right, to crafts. But uh, that process of making something and making something beautiful is a messy process, right? Mm -hmm. The mess is part of the creation. And I think that's true in um, not just those who paint, but in those who create with words or music mm -hmm. or those who are creating um, institutions or schools or really even just making people in the church into new creations. These are messy things. When we get creative, we get messy. So there's a lot to be thankful for about that messiness. If you if you try to tidy things up too much, too early in creativity, you stifle it in a way, mm -hmm. right? Um, if you can't make a little mess, you can't make anything at all. So it's a gift to have that chaos. Now, as you go, it's a gift to like bring that chaos into an, an ordered beauty. You don't want the final picture to look the same as this build paint next to it. <laughs> right. But um, I do think there's a close connection there and a connection in our, our creative minds as well to you know let things be a little messy in our thoughts, in our creativity, before we try to just clean everything up so the world can see it. Mm -hmm. um, maybe a strange person to reference in a Christian podcast, but Stephen King, who wrote all the fantastic um, horror movies and novels, he talks about uh, that the first draft, he writes it with the door closed, and the second draft, he writes it with the door open. And what he means by that is the first thing you write down is not good enough for anybody to see but you right? Mm -hmm. You're making something messy that is not for consumption of other people. <laughs> yes. But then you go back to it and you make it into something even more beautiful. Now, if you don't do that first draft, if you don't have a messy start, I don't think you can have a beautiful finish sometimes. So um, maybe there's some of that in life too, like messy starts and beautiful finishes uh, that, that we need a little bit of... Um, some good clutter <laughs> as we yeah. move into things. Yeah, not not super controlled. I think I, one of the things I was careful about in this book, I did not want to communicate that God wants order at the at the price of um, you know just that fun um, spontaneous life. God is not one that wants a sterile environment for mm -hmm. us. That's not what order means at all. Mm -hmm. But that there is uh, spontaneity and fun and a little bit of mess in it within these beautiful, like, like the frame for the picture, a, a place um, that God orders for us to play. Yeah, it's kind of like what C.S. Lewis, I think it was C.S. Lewis, was talking about with the, the boundaries mm -hmm. on the cliffside. Mm -hmm. And as long as you have that fence up there, there, you can go anywhere, but right. it makes you safe and it makes right. you ordered. Right. Otherwise, you could just run right off the cliff. That's right. Yeah. yeah. God God loves our safety and our fun. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. Those are both parts of who he's made us to be. Yeah. Yeah, but as we're talking about 
chaos. We've been talking about chaos on the outside, but you talk about chaos on the inside mm-hmm. too, so mm-hmm. that we can, as you put it, there's, well, there's chaos on the outside, chaos on the inside, but the, your one of your challenges to us is to seek, it was from your spiritual director, spiritual mentor, mm-hmm. to seek silence on the outside, silence on the inside, and then silence of the will. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us that that story? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I again in a in a period of real struggle, I went to see a spiritual director saying, you know, I I feel like I've forgotten how to pray. I I'm not sure. Um, my life is so noisy. I'm not sure how to really be still before God. And you know, they she gave me that instruction of like just be still, um, turn off all the noises around you, get in a quiet place. I think at the time I had a, an infant and a toddler, so. Where the only the that? only quiet space I knew was my car in my garage, uh, turned off, not turned off. But um, I really had to like go hide a little bit from my life with you know the kids had proper supervision to get in a quiet place to silence the noises on the outside. And what happened when I did is that it was anything but peaceful. All of my disordered thoughts, all of the you know inner noise. Um, everything chaotic within me really rose up and made for you know not a very peaceful time. I was trying to be silent, but my mind wouldn't slow down. Mm-hmm. I think that's what most of us experience when we try to find silence, meditation, prayer, is that our, our minds are so on the treadmill, it's hard to get them to stop. So I went back to the spiritual director and I said, well, I failed. Um, I am a failure at silence and prayer. And so what's the next assignment? Because I am not capable of that. And she just <laughs> laughed at me and said, this is what happens to all of us. And the point of a spiritual discipline is to try again. Um, so, you know, to find silence on the outside and then eventually to find a place where you can quiet the thoughts of your mind. And, and then she said the highest level is to find the silence of the will before the will of God, to be able to come to a place that you say before God in that time of resting, of not you know just making your laundry list of prayer requests, shouting out to God all the things you need to get through so quick because prayer time's almost over, mm-hmm. but really the silence of not just your, your mind, but the ability to say with Jesus' prayer, not my will, but thine be done, and to rest in that. Um, I am still not great at this. You know, there my mind goes 100 miles an hour, and so slowing it down, finding that time to rest in the Lord is hard, but I don't think it's one of those things that's hard so we should stop doing it. Right. I think it's hard and is a, a thing that is worth seeking again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just to pay attention in our lives to how much we fill them with noise. Mm-hmm. Is there any quiet space in our lives? You know, do I even drive in my car without turning on um, a podcast or the radio? Do I, if I go for a walk or a run, do I put my earbuds in? Wh- where are the spaces where I'm going to get quieter to listen mm-hmm. for the voice of the Lord? Um, it, it takes a little more listening. So we, we tend to fill up that space with noise, sometimes because we're, we, we're avoiding our own mm-hmm. thoughts. We don't want to hear what will come up when we get silent, which mm-hmm. is, I think, something to pay attention to. Yeah, totally. That's something that I've been paying attention to in my own mm. life, that I fill, 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 or do, 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 yeah. and don't take time to just 
be, yeah. you know? That, that is, I mean, that's another formative. It's just the busyness that mm-hmm. we put in our calendars yeah. uh, keeps us from finding space. Yeah. What was the process like for you as you learned to be, or are still learning? Mm-hmm. I think we're all still learning mm-hmm. to be silent on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- it, it's very revealing, right? Mm-hmm. Because the things that come up, the things you, you, the things your mind is saying on repeat are sometimes the things that are, um, your, your anxious thoughts become idols almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so that for me has been very revealing is to pay attention to the, the repeated thoughts and noise that are, that are there when I don't want them to be. Mm-hmm. And or just say when you lie down to sleep at night, that's a time when things are silent, right? Mm-hmm. And what we often say is like, I just can't get my brain to turn off. Yeah. So what I'm learning there is what are those things? You know, there there's a wonderful um, Christian practice called the prayer of examine that you do at the end of the day that says, let's get these thoughts out. You know, what are what are the things that are my highs and lows? Can I place those before the Lord and go to sleep in peace? Mm-hmm knowing that he holds those in his hands. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's one thing to like get away from the noise, to go out in the woods mm-hmm. or whatever is peaceful for you, but to have those voices like be still, mm-hmm. you know, the storm on the inside, be still too yeah. because there's so much there's so much chaos on the outside in our families, communities, mm-hmm. denominations. Mm-hmm. Um church leadership as we've seen the rise mm-hmm. and fall of leaders for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And one thing that you mentioned is it could be said that we've lost our story and identity. So how does the spiritual dementia, if you will, mm-hmm. kind of throw us into chaos? Mm-hmm. Yeah, forget it. It's interesting how often the Bible says the word remember, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, especially when God is really trying to form a people for himself in Israel he continually tells them to remember and to place them within a story, and they keep forgetting their story. You know, there's uh, there's a point where um, in the New Testament, the, the Pharisees say, we can't be slaves. We've never been slaves to anyone. You want to say, have you read Exodus? <laughs> like, <laughs> you have been slaves, and it, it's a huge part of your story. Um, but we're the same way. We continue to forget the story that we're part of. So, you know, I talk about um, in a, a chapter on like memory and how God puts us back together again. Even, I love the word remember because it literally means to be put back together again. Um, how God takes that condition. We all have this spiritual amnesia, spiritual dementia almost yeah. of we forget our our role in God's story. We forget what God has done for us because the other things going on in the world are so loud. Um, it it takes a lot of remembering in order to be part of God's story. I was just just teaching this week, talking to a group about the importance of the sacraments and Holy Communion in our repeated life. It's literally participating, a repetition of a story that we enter into and participate in when we come to the table for communion. Um, It's one of those things that helps us rehearse and be part of and enter into a story so that the story externally, the noises of the world, don't become what we begin to think of as our story. We are not the people of chaos, um, but we have to be reminded of the story that God gives us of 
not just creating out of chaos, but bringing us out of chaos again and again of, of how Jesus, how the cross is like this really ultimate chaos, isn't it? Like, really, they killed God? I mean, <laughs> right? how, how is this part of our story? But that story is so instrumental for us that Jesus could defeat death once and for all mm-hmm. in that moment. You know, there is no other story like that in the world. Mm-hmm. So we have to be reminded that that is our story and that we're part of that story in order to not live as if we want to be chaotic people. Right, because in the remembering we find hope, right? Mm, yes. Because um, I don't have all the details of the story that you told in your book, but you told the story about this woman who would see something chaotic happen in the world and kind of respond with, what the hell? Mm-hmm. And you said there's more truth in that statement than we might think. Yes. It can be just a flippant, yes. like, what the hell is happening right, right now? Right, Um But it really is like chaos. Yes. Is a representation right. of that. I think that's a very literal phrase to yeah. say that hell is coming to earth just as in some ways we wish heaven on earth, right? We call for God's kingdom to come. Right. There's a whole other kingdom that is <laughs> that <laughs> yes. is up against that kingdom. And that I think that, you know, could be misunderstood is not meant uh, flippantly at all. But I, you know, this was a statement by a woman I knew who was the mother of five children. And she literally said hell just crept into their home again and again. Yeah. Um, so she she would she would bring order and chaos would take over again. Yeah. Um, so to recognize that as a spiritual reality yes. is one that I think is important too. Sure, your house gets messy if you let it. Um, on the other hand, like what are the forces at work here? Yeah. Not not in your living room always, but um, you know if you're not relying on the God of order, there's a whole other kingdom coming mm-hmm. up against that, and yeah. recognizing that is is part of battling it too. Yes. So I guess my question is, where can we find hope in a what-the-hell kind of mm, world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe there's an opposite question to ask, right? Okay. You know, maybe the question is not where is hell creeping into this world, but where is God's beauty and order and life? Where do we see that showing up again and again? And in, in a world that should be so chaotic, I absolutely love one of my favorite characteristics in in humans is um, resilience, right? And people who have faced so much, such difficulty, and yet they have not given up, and they have a story and a testimony, I would say that's, you know, heaven creeping in. That's Mm -hmm. the kingdom of God creeping in. Mm -hmm. And I think part of being a people of that kingdom is to be able to look for it and find it and recognize it. Um, to say, you know, no, hell is not winning in this place, right? Right. right. God, God is about the business of His kingdom, and it will not be stopped. Mm. How can we, as the people of God, be agents of hope in the world? Yeah, that's such a big question, and one I think, I think that's what we're all looking for right now. There's mm-hmm. so much hopelessness. There are so many people saying to us, in whatever way, things will never change. Um, I, I think we have to be careful not to be flippant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all know that there are, you know, sort of Christianese, sort of trite statements mm-hmm. we could say that would take away from the reality of how hard things can be for people. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be those people, right? I don't want to be the one going around spewing, um, like, the cotton candy-ish phrases at people that are mm-hmm. sweet but 
short lasting. Um, I think we have to take very seriously the chaos that people have been in, first of all, Mm -hmm. and listen well to their stories and acknowledge them. And then I think just living in a way that says, you know, my life isn't perfect. I'm not going to pretend mm-hmm. anymore. That, that's that been an issue in the church, too, that we have pretended. That never lasts for long, right? Things things come out and creep up about that. But um, not, not that we're going to pretend to be perfect, but that we're going to know the one who is and that that's going to change everything. You know, chaos comes to Christian lives. Um, bad things happen to good people. That's a, a scary but true reality. It's who we know and how we are with him in those moments that I think are the real witness of hope. I've mm-hmm. seen that again and again. The way people handle some of the hardest things in their lives are some of the greatest witness. That's what testimony is, right? It's being mm-hmm. able to say what God has done, right. not diminishing the hard things, but really saying that God is bigger than all of that. Mm-hmm. For sure. One of the ways that, um, as you said that, I was like, one of the ways that you're bringing hope into the world through your book, but then another mm-hmm. way too is through Preacher's Block. That mm-hmm. is a space for preachers to come and like work virtually, but in community. Yeah. What was the genesis for that, that sure. creation? Yeah, this is such an unusual concept to a lot of people. Um, there, there, this actually helped me write the book, Heidi. Um, there, there's a whole uh, thing out there called online co-working that people do, where you, using Zoom, you meet up with strangers. Your Zoom is on, but the sound is off. And so people just, it's a way to make a commitment. It's almost like a study hall, a virtual mm-hmm. study hall, where you get together and do your work. I, I will say that the, the kind of some of the hardest months of writing out of chaos uh, were because there was very little structure, very little community, very little boundaries between work life and home mm-hmm. life. And I found some online co-working groups that really helped me with that. And I just continually thought, goodness, pastors need this. Um, preachers need this. Christians need this. So we, a group of us created, it's called Preacher's Block, and you can find it at preachersblock.com or share it with your favorite pastor, uh, ministry leader. Um, it's a group that meets um, their their four or five days a week, I can't remember how many, that there are different sessions. People gather online, and they get their sermon preparation done. And they don't chat at each other, which is hard, hard for preachers to do. <laughs> but there's a period at the beginning where you you know, make a commitment to what your work is going to do. There's a period at the end where you um, celebrate what your work has been. And we have just heard again and again, I mean, it's how I prepare sermons. Mm-hmm. It keeps you focused, and it's really a time-blocking kind of tool that helps you say, now, this is the time I will set apart for this work. And we all know that if we don't, you know, set aside that time, it just gets eaten up with other things. Yeah. Wow. That's really, because out of your own chaos, Mm. you created something Mm. that helps other people. (laughs) That's great. I hadn't (laughs) thought about it that way. I just thought about it when you were saying that. I was like, you felt this need Mm -hmm. in your own chaos, Mm -hmm. and you filled that need Mm -hmm. with creativity. It, really out of necessity, right? We say <laughs> we say necessity is the mother of invention. It's really chaos. I mean, chaos is necessity, right? I need help here. Yeah. So things get invented because we find need. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Jessica, this conversation has been a delight. I have one question that I ask everyone who comes on the show. But before I do that, is there anything else you'd like to say that I didn't know to ask you? Um, that's a great question. I just, I, I would think like one thing that's a misconception about chaos is, 
you know, just this idea that we could wish it all away and clean our lives up. And one of the things I really worked out in this book was to understand that there's also kind of chronic chaos in a lot of our lives. I interviewed some caregivers um, that really life is like just a daily chaos for folks. But the lives that they were living in the midst of that were so beautiful, and the the really the leaning into the desperation for God's help was so beautiful. So I think for a lot of people, we have this misconception that we're just going to tell people to snap out of it somehow, mm-hmm. when we all know people whose daily lives have more chaos than ours. And um, so there is there is a, a word for those folks in this book that I would mm-hmm. want to make sure people know that it doesn't um, it's not a snap out of it kind of book. Yes, thanks for pointing that out because, yeah. yeah, that's really important because definitely want to acknowledge the both and, right? Yes, yes, yes. So the last question that we always ask anyone who comes on the show, because it's called the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast, what is one practice that is helping you thrive in your life right now? Mm, what is one practice that's helping me thrive? Well, it is summer, and our kids are out of school, and the chaos has come home. <laughs> And I think part of that for us is uh, just some intentional rhythms as a family of when we play, when Mm. we play together. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's this temptation to try to get everybody to, like, clean their room and make it all happen. And really, as a parent, one of my intentional practices is to play. I'll just say that. Um, that. to, To set aside time when we do crazy things like balloon volleyball in the living room or when we're just chasing fireflies together, to, to remind myself, and that and that's been such a gift in my life of um, the reminder that play is something that we have to pursue as well. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Jessica, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Well, it really has been a joy to have you here for this conversation. Thank you, Heidi. This has been such a gift. We appreciate Thrive so much, and I'm thrilled to get a chance to be on it again. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime. All right. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for today's conversation with Reverend Jessica Legrone. Isn't she just the best, you guys? I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this conversation and how reading her book and this conversation really changed my perspective on the chaos that we all experience in our lives at varying levels. So if you haven't already, be sure to pick up a copy of her new book, Out of Chaos. We'll link to it in the show notes. And of course, be sure to tell Jessica, thank you so much for being part of today's conversation. As always, you can follow Asbury Seminary in all the places on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at at Asbury Seminary. Until next time, I hope you'll go do something that helps you thrive.